0: Awesome good to see you guys. Uh, I love mike 's story, and not because I love Mike because he 's been around for um, forever and we 've been buddies for a long time. His wife somehow got ripped into working with me it 's awesome, but uh, his story illustrates one important truth is that you have probably a ninety nine percent chance that you 're going to underestimate yourself. if I were to meet with one hundred people ninety nine of them Will come away and they'll like underestimate themselves into the ground. Maybe one person might estimate them correctly. It's very seldom that I meet people who have an overestimation of their capabilities, their giftings, and their potential. And tonight, I'm talking about your outrageous gifting and the gifting that God has placed in you. And what if I told you that inside your DNA, inside who you are, is the answer to your God-given calling? Because when you get saved, when you come and you receive Jesus, one of the very first things is like, okay, what do I do now? Which is a totally wrong question. first question is, when you get saved, when you follow Jesus, who am I should be the first question. But this question of what do I do with myself follows you. It follows you throughout your entire journey with Jesus. And it's this vexing question that, that begs the question of like, what, is, what does God want from me? How does God wanna use me? How do I make myself useful for God? How do I serve God? How do I partner with God in redeeming the world? How do I partner with God in building the church? How do I serve him? How do I build up this thing that Jesus is doing and what is he about? And we try and come up with like programs and ideas and things and we think that, that God is, is pleased by being busy. I can tell you that Jesus is not pleased by you being busy. But he is pleased with you knowing who you are and what's inside of you. And tonight I want to unlock for many of you the very first time the hidden secret of your God-given calling and your God-given gifting. Discovering the answers to these questions will have uh, solutions for why it's possible to have ministries, churches, and people who are ineffective in their faith. How is it possible that you can have people who love Jesus, have the Holy Spirit, and are completely useless as a Christian? It's a big problem. I don't know if you think it is. I think it's a little bit of a problem. And people love God, people love Jesus, have the Holy Spirit, but there is a block for so many people, millions of Christians that don't know how to practically use themselves and what God is doing. Do I have um, permission to rant yes. a little bit? Okay, so uh, now let me, before I get to, let me apologize before I rant first. So <laughs> I just got to get a little disclaimer. So um, it's going to sound like I'm critical for critical sake. It's going to sound like I'm complaining. I'm maybe picking up things that, you know, don't really, aren't that big of a deal. But they're a big deal to me. Anything I love, I examine. Anything that I'm, like, passionate about, I want to have openness and I want to have transparency I want to like look at it, bring it to light. And so don't misunderstand my rant. Don't misunderstand my complaints. It, I'm not trying to be um, sensational. If you come to my office and you hear about us talking about our software, you'll hear me like really passionate about it. like, oh, this needs to be better. Like, you know, this stinks. No, no, I won't do that. But um, I, ju- I want to be the best in all things. I want to be the best. There's really no excuse to not be the best when you think of what all things God has given you. And when you look at the scriptures about what he's done in each one of us, and he looked at what he's entrusted us to do as a ministry, as a church, as a body of Christ, and you look at the results sometimes, you're just like, "This is incredible. Incredibly depressing." Here's why. Let me identify this problem for you, is that modern-day churches, this modern era we are in, someone got the great idea that, hey, let's build church like we build corporations." Let's establish leadership and develop structures that model the corporate system, meaning that you have all these different hierarchies and structures. You have levels, divisions, administrators, managers, executives, all the way up to one single person, a CEO, who makes all decisions, who's the final authority. And for most of my life, my experiences with church have been more like a corporation more than the ministry of God. Whereas you have a question, you go to the senior pastor. Where you need prayer, you go to the senior pastor. Where you have a challenge, you go to the senior pastor. Where you want to start something, you go to the senior pastor. If you want to hear from God, you go to the senior pastor. If you have a gripe or complaint, you go to the senior pastor. If you want to grow deep in God, you want to know wisdom, you go to the senior pastor. If you have a problem with somebody else, you go to the senior pastor. And there's this this pyramid that has established. That's present in corporate structures, that's also present in many churches. And most churches I've been a part of, where the hierarchy is, is established, is where all power, all authority funnels to the top, and it goes exclusively to one person at the very top, the senior pastor. But there's only one problem with that. Is the Bible only describes one senior pastor and his name is Jesus. It's first Peter 5:4, it says, When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. Now what happens is it's not exactly their fault, it's kind of our fault. How on earth do we have these systems and structures We we put someone up there? And now they have all this power and authority and it's just this huge pyramid. It it comes from people who are charismatic, they love Jesus, they love the church, they're genuine, but they become an intermediary between us and God somehow. Or we replace the direct link that Jesus has promised us, we put someone in the middle. Let me give you a few examples. When I wanted understanding, I will go to my senior pastor. i go to the pastor. i go to the guy who is paid to know this stuff, right? And the problem is 2 Timothy says the Lord will give you understanding in all things. I want to know the truth. I want to know what is right and wrong. And So you go to like the person who's paid to answer that question. The only problem is, is that it says the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. If I want to hear from God, i got to go to the pastor to hook up my phone. Wrong. It says in John 10 that my sheep hear my voice. Unless it doesn't say my shepherds hear my voice. My sheep. You are the flock. You are the sheep of God. See, the amazing thing when you think about what Jesus came and did is he came and removed all intermediary steps to Jesus between you and him. And we like... Messed up people. We establish rulers over ourselves. We establish systems and blocks and blockades and, and processes that that make us um, make it more difficult to get to, to God. Who has a cat in here? I don't own a cat. Thank you, Jesus, anymore. The funny things about cats is that you'd play with a cat and you'd like stick like a little like ball there. Now the cat just can't like you know swipe. It has to like go behind something, to make it like difficult, you know. And do you like that kind of deal? And that's how it is with us. Jesus says, hey, I've put myself right in front of you. I've joined you with me. We're going to do this thing together. And our response is, oh, let me establish somebody else I have to go through first. And so we've established this this body of a structure that makes us go through chains of command, and we completely remove ourselves from responsibility. We completely remove ourselves from all authority and all power because that person has power and authority. And what we've done in the process is we've heaped all this responsibility and expectation onto a senior pastor who is never designed to carry that weight. A senior pastor, a charismatic leader, your favorite preacher, I'll say it's me. No, I'm just kidding. um, Does not, is not designed to carry the weight of your expectation. Additionally, that we have made our entire spiritual enthusiasm oftentimes around a person, not around Jesus. Usually can gauge like, you know, um, someone's enthusiasm based upon how good the, the preacher is, how good the message was. How's your walk been? Oh, it's okay. The pastor this past week was not good, you know. Like, what? But we become attuned that like our spiritual interest, our enthusiasm, our zeal sometimes is really related to the, the person who speaks on Sunday. Whereas the model for God and his design for us is that we have total control, total design and authority over our own spirituality. Meaning that if your favorite preacher got hit by a bus, well, if, let's say you moved. How about that? That's a little less graphic. <laughs> that your spiritual walk should not be harmed at all. I, I think we should follow people that are inspirational, revelatory, all those things. Definitely. But when the moment when someone's preaching alters your spiritual enthusiasm, you have a problem. When you find that you have to go to certain people to get answers, there's a problem. That's not the pastor's job. The pastor's job is to bring people together to encourage you. You're designed to have total control over that. The second problem is, this, is that the, the spiritual formation and develop inside of ministries and churches and bodies. The spiritual formation, how people grow. For most of my life, I'd bring a challenge, an issue, a struggle to a fellow believer, a friend. What do you think about this? You know, let me take you to somebody, someone else I know. I don't know about you, but I had terrible peer support when it came to all matters regarding strength and growth in Jesus. It It was amazing, and, like, they would point me to, you know, someone else, someone uh, who's paid to answer that again, right? And fewer Christians today, I believe, fewer Christians today possess the truth and strength before because they don't need to have it anymore. It's amazing how we have big organizations, big institutions, kind of like, you know, professional Christian systems. And what, those systems are great. Don't misunderstand me. But what happens is that we lax back on our job. We say, I don't have to. Know that. I don't have to go there. I don't have to really know that truth. The average Christian isn't in demand. The average person, you in this audience, there's a mandate that you actually know the truth, that you can defend the truth, you can live the truth, and you don't have to like point someone somewhere else when they bring a, a challenge to you, when they bring a, a question to you. But for us, it's so easy for us to pass all spiritual responsibility all obligation and all ministry to somebody else who's paid to do that. Someone else who really knows what they're doing. Someone who has a degree in this. Someone who's on staff somewhere. They have the answer. Now the model for us is that every single one of us is equipped. Every single one of us is in the game. Is that you would be equipped. You would be empowered. You would be the hands and feet of Jesus. I don't need to go to four walls and a steeple because I have you and you have Jesus. That should be good enough for me. And so what this has produced is, is more and more churches producing fewer people that impact fewer people. And I found that we've become so used to outsourcing spiritual development to others, um, others who really know. But Christianity has kind of, in a this, in this sense, become its own profession. Like, you have a law question, you go ask Daniel Kim. You know, or you have a construction you know, question, you go ask Mike. You know, we, we've... We've made these different silos of professional information to go to the professionals. And we've done that with Christianity. Do you see it? Do you sense it? That we personify people who are really good at their job, and so I'm going to have all things go to them, and I'm not going to take responsibility for myself. But here's the crazy thing. Did you know the Bible declares you as God's fellow worker? God's fellow worker. 1 Corinthians 3, you are God's fellow worker. You're like, oh, I don't feel like I'm called for ministry. Well, that's too darn bad because the scriptures say that you're a priest. You didn't have to go to school for that. You didn't have to go get ordained by any of that stuff. And with your salvation comes your calling. Did you know that the moment you got saved, you got enlisted to co-labor with Jesus? The 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, Therefore, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled himself Reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You have been enlisted. You have been joined. You've been pulled in. It wasn't by your own choice. Jesus says, I don't care where you are, where you've been, what you've done. We're doing this together. Okay, but what does that practically mean? Does the Bible give us any personal, specific direction for each one of us for this? Yes, it does. I'm going to share with you what I believe is the most instructional passage in the entire Bible for how you would find yourself activated and involved in the mission of God. That should solve the whole entire answer, like, what do I do for Jesus? How do I contribute? How do I, God, you've called me into reconciliation. What does that mean for me? What does that mean for me? I know what it means for them, but that doesn't feel like me. That's a big problem, right? It's this, it's Ephesians 4.11. Ephesians 4.11. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, and some as evangelists, some as pastors, and some as teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. All the things that you've dreamed about possible for you in relationship with others for God is found in this passage. It says, Christ gave gifts to men and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, and some as teachers. Now, I believe in your DNA that you have the essence of one or maybe more of those roles. See, we find out that we don't need to know what to do. We just need to know who we already have been made. I believe this pattern is so strong. This is the pattern for operating in the giftings of God to how ourselves... Be used. These are natural things that God has placed in you that have been dormant until now. And tonight what I want to do is I want to bring them to the surface. I want to name them. I want to show them to you for the very first time. But how do I know which one? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Five of them. It's called the fivefold ministry. With all my heart, I believe every single one of you is at least one of those. You don't need to become anyone different. All you need to do is to know who you already are. It's almost like, man, I wish there was a test I could take for this, right? (laughs) Let me get to that in a second. About a year and a half ago, let me tell you a story. A year and a half ago, I was kind of studying the the Fivefold Ministry. This is something we've been around with us for a while. This is something we brought up before. And I ran across this author who had not published a book yet. And I stalked him on Twitter. And, like, I just begged him, like, hey, I, I need to, like, pick your brain about something. And he sent me a pre-release copy of his book. And his book was called Creating Missional Culture, this author named J.R. Woodward. And it's about impacting culture and society and how the Bible gives a single blueprint to do that amazingly well, the fivefold ministry. And he rebranded them. He's like, well, when you say apostle, we, like, think of old guys in tunics and robes and, you know, camels and going to different places and people that are not me. He's like... Let's not get hung up on the confusing terminology. Let's call it what it is. This is a dream awakener. He's like, ah, oh, sweet. Prophet, Woo, prophet, spooky people. He's like, no, you're not spooky. You're, you're a heart revealer. Yeah, I like that better. The evangelist is not someone who stands with a bullhorn and a sign. You're a storyteller. You tell the story of God. A pastor, you're not someone who runs a church. You're a soul healer teacher. You're not someone who gets up in a podium and says things. You're a light giver. And so he created like this, you know, took the teachings of of the Bible and of this topic. I dove in and I I looked at all these things and I'm like, man, there are amazing different traits all throughout here. And so what I did is I I found like different kind of ways to triangulate like the personality attributes of these different characteristics of each role. And I put it into a test. A little mobile test that we're going to take. It'll take you five minutes to do. It's 30 questions. Here's the thing. I designed it for, you know, 150 you guys a year and a half ago. I don't know what's happened. It's been taken almost 70,000 times. I get emails around the world every single month. People in Zambia. I don't even know where Zambia is. People are like, ah, oh, we've done this all through our entire church. Fiji, would you come out to Fiji and talk to us about fire? Yes, I will. You know, like... I, it's crazy. Almost 70,000 people, almost. You know how big that is? That's larger than the 49er stadium and one and a half times the giant stadium. Crazy. I think this topic, this key of understanding your exact role, one, it's desperately needed. People have no idea why they got saved and how God wants to join with them. So it's really instructional for that. But two, This is crazy that our ministry developed this little tiny thing that's just exploded worldwide. And so I bring it back to you guys tonight to share it, and it'll take five minutes. And um, it's set up on a series of questions. And it's designed, it just asks you everyday questions. There's 30 of them. So read through it. Everyone have a smartphone here? Yeah? You might be on it right now. I don't care. Um, You know, pull up your phone. Open Safari, open whatever browser, and type in this address. It's called fivefoldministrytest.com. F-I-V-E-F-O-L-D ministrytest.com. Now pull that up. Now everyone listen to me real quick. Don't overthink this. It's a scale of one to ten. It'll ask you a question. Do you like burritos? Like, like I don't know. Oh, Jeez. That, that question unfortunately is not in there. I wish it was. Actually, I might add it in later just for, for kicks. But answer it like the very first inclination you get. This is supposed to be like gut reaction. Don't overthink it. Well, it depends on the circumstances. How hungry am I? No. When the questions come up, answer them as you feel. And if something's really you, give it a 10. Don't be like, oh, I'm not that good. I'll give myself a seven. If it sounds anything like you, like own it, okay? So we're going to start the clock, we're going to give you about five to seven minutes or so, and then it's going to output your top, top gifts. and I'm going to tell you what they mean. It's going to be exciting, all right? All right, go. Are you guys ready? All right, I'm going to jump in. If your top result was Dream Awakener, can you stand up? Are p- who all still taking it? This is the last call. Man. What question are you guys on? What? All right, Eugene's not going to get counted. All right, so dream awakeners. You are uniquely gifted at awakening people to who they really are. You have an amazing potential to see the potential inside people and call it forth. You see things in people that they've never seen about themselves, and you get to name it. Not just that, not only do you see what's inside people, you are uniquely qualified to be able to walk with them to reach it. As a dream awakener, you awaken people to their dreams, and you are specially equipped to walk alongside them to see it fulfilled. Let me tell you a few things about you. You are able to see the potential in people's giftings ever before they do. You are able to see clearly what needs to be done. You are very seldom indecisive. You are opinionated for what people need to do in their life sometimes to a fault. Looking at you, Mr. Waterbury. You love <laughs> You love to see things happen and get fresher when they don't. Does that sound like you? You come alive when you are able to help others achieve something. You are able to make other people's journey your own. You don't mind bending the rules and coming outside the lines occasionally. You take joy in people's victories and share in their struggles. You're not afraid to share truth about a situation even if it costs you. Without you... Without you, without you activating this gift in the body of Christ, without you, people don't know what they're capable of. People don't have someone to walk alongside them to reach who they really are. And things remain the same. The reason things remain the same is that there aren't people who come and awaken people to things that are different. You are so vital to the ministry of God. My prayer for you is that you would understand that DNA, that calling that's already in you, that gifting, to partner with God to awaken people to who they really are. Thank you, guys. Yeah. <clears throat> heart revealer. If you had heart revealer, prophet, would you stand up? I love this because like, I'm seeing like the test is right. It got me right again, which is sweet. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> heart revealers, the prophets yeah, dude. (laughs) You are uniquely qualified, amazingly qualified to hear God's heart for God's people. You have a direct access. You have a clear vision and voice for what God thinks of his own people. You are capable of hearing the Holy Spirit. And not just that, you are also capable of helping other people hear the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes you underestimate how easy it is to know God's heart, but it is not that easy, and you are placed on this planet. You are placed in ministry, so you'd be able to help people recognize that is the voice of God. A few things about you. You get frustrated at injustice. You get frustrated when there are things that aren't right. You are compelled to help people who are in need and broken or oppressed or have a gigantic fundraising goal. You are easily distracted by what seems like random thoughts, ideas, words, and pictures. What seems like ADD to you is just the Holy Spirit firing all cylinders. You occasionally have vivid dreams. It's not indigestion. You have a strong feeling for whether something is from God or not. You are a gut feeling person. You're like, I really feel this. You believe life can and it's about choices and you can actually choose your future. You believe relentlessly that life is a series of decisions and I can make the right decision and I can help you make the right decision. You frequently are right about your opinions. You can feel, understand and relate to God's heart for people when you pray for them. It's not unusual for you to feel burdened for someone as you pray for them. You're particularly encouraging and discerning. When you read, God puts situations, people, and specific examples in your heart. Almost like, I should be teaching this right now. I'll just put it on Facebook for now until then, right? You can distinguish what is from God and what is not from God. Without you, without you, people do not experience and hear God's heart. They do not experience and hear God's voice. Without you, people are lacking intimacy with their creator. Without you, people mistakenly attribute the works of Satan to God. You are the person who hears, knows, and has compassion for the things that break God's heart. It's my prayer for you guys that you would be able to know the significance of being in tune with the spirit of God to such a degree that you can be able to shape people's hearts and minds for what God thinks about them, and what God thinks about this time. Love you guys. Thank you. You can give them a hand. Storytellers. Storytellers, stand up. The evangelists. Yeah. I love this. And make sure, a reminder to screenshot your results, because I, I don't get your results. <laughs> I can't reforward them to you. All right, evangelists, storytellers, you are uniquely gifted at celebrating the goodness and the transformations of God. There's something about you. You are amazing at retelling. Can you believe this? Let me tell you this story. You won't believe that God did this or how good he is. You have a, a relentless confidence in the goodness of God. You are amazingly gifted at this one trait is that you are incredible at including people. No one's left behind with you. When you see people, you embrace them as your own. You don't care who's looking. You're all about including them into family and welcoming them into family. A few things about you it's really important to you to have friends, relationships, and a life outside a church circle. Sometimes you felt guilty about that. I should have only Christian friends. But there's something about you that says, I kind of need to have a mix. That's God placed. You're able to get other people excited about what you are excited about. You have an amazing way of, like, getting people, like, do stupid things with you. It's incredible. But you have a passion for things, and it's contagious, and people will follow you. You are highly adaptable and feel comfortable in almost any setting you are in. You have a heart for people who are far from God and when people fall from God it breaks your heart. <coughs> when people miss the true God you are you feel it. You make other people feel comfortable just when you're around. Just your presence being there is comforting to others. You feel frustrated when church is reaching more inward than it is outward. It feels like it's critical, but it's actually Jesus saying, I want you to think outside. The things you love, you really love. (laughs) You are intentional and strategic before you open your mouth and say things. You know that to get yourself in trouble with your mouth is costly, and you are careful. You are convinced that God is really good. It's not a, I know God's good because the Bible told me so. It's, I I know God is good. I know it in my core. You believe your life should speak louder than your words. You're people of character and integrity. You can be bold and speak your mind, and sometimes it catches people off guard. You have an appreciation that life is short, and you never know what will happen. You get excited when eyes are upon you. Does that stuff kind of resonate? Without you, without you, people don't celebrate the transformations of God. People don't have the glimpse of how good God really is without you when you speak up. Without you, people are welcome to come to God's family, but are never actually invited The big scam of the church is that the church says all people are welcome but no one's inviting and you are the person who makes church and ministry in Jesus actually interesting. And you go the extra step and you invite someone. You include them. Without you, people don't know how to tell and share their own story. Without you, people's faith is stale and without enthusiasm. You bring enthusiasm to everybody else about what God is doing. Sometimes you speaking up and celebrating what God is doing is what it takes to activate somebody else. And you're desperately needed in ministry. My prayer for you is that you would understand the power of your voice, the power of your ability to share stories, the power for you to communicate, and the incredible gifting it is to be able to have people feel comfortable when you're around, that you'd be a sweet Invitation to Jesus everywhere you go, even without opening your mouth, your life lives an example that Jesus is real and he's good. Give them a hand, thank you guys. <laughs> Are you guys doing okay? Yeah. All right. It's good stuff, yeah? yeah. Cool. Julie's standing up, she doesn't even know what she's standing up for you, but oh. Uh. All right. Yes, the cue. All right, soul healers, pastors. Man, this test is so dead on. I'm not going to call you up by name, but just I'm thinking about you. You, soul healers, pastors, are uniquely gifted at restoring and healing broken souls. Where there's brokenness, you have the formula, the answer, the right words. You are amazingly gifted at bringing wholeness back. You are uniquely gifted at integrating people into the family of God. You have an amazing gift that you can assimilate other people who are strangers and make them feel part of family with you and what everybody else is doing. You are inclusive and you're welcoming. A few things about you. You have a really good grasp on reality, which cannot be understated how important that is. You are capable Of helping others make better choices for themselves. You are wildly concerned about people's hearts and emotions. People's hearts and emotions are very important to you. You feel people's pain when it hurts. It's not even surprising for you to cry for people when you shouldn't be the one crying. You feel people's pain when they hurt. You see the answers to relational dysfunction almost like you see dots being connected. I see it. You embrace people and make them feel like they're welcome and included no matter what they just did to you, no matter what they just did to someone else, no matter where they've been. You are exceptional at enjoying life and having fun. You're multi talented. You are an excellent, excellent listener. And you have a soft and tender heart for those who are hurting. Does that sound like you? Now, without you, without you activating yourself in the ministry of God, people will remain stuck in their pain. Without your involvement, people will be stuck in their brokenness. They'll be um, like driving with a car that has a broken wheel on the other side. They'll still keep going, but they'll be broken for as long as they remain that way without you. Without you, people are left out, forgotten, and left behind. Without you, people uh, don't know where to turn. The greatest way that you heal someone is to have insightful direction in the midst of their pain. Without you, people are held down and not lifted up. You bring people up. You have no idea the power and the strength you have of just being alive and being around someone, how your presence heals people's brokenness. Just you being there buoys people up. It's my prayer for you that you would see brokenness not as a a discouragement, but as a calling for you to be present. You don't need to fix everybody. You don't need to fix everything, but just you being alive and being present and being there, you will have the right words when they come to you. You don't need credentials and degrees. You have a genetic DNA that is Holy Spirit inspired to heal people in every space and dimension. Love you guys. Give them a hand. (laughs) Teachers, light givers, just stand up. Yeah. Check this out. All righty. Teachers, light givers, you are uniquely gifted at making truth accessible and able to be understood. You are able to take complex ideas, even write books on them, and make them simple and tangible. You are gifted at helping people apply truth and scriptures to their life. A few things about you. You are curious for deeper understanding, learning, and revelation. You are able to explain complex ideas and concepts in ways that people have understood for the very first time with you. You overestimate what you know. You assume other people know it, but they don't. You are the type that'll search and research what you don't understand. Like I'm gonna find that out. You take it upon initiative to be hungry to learn. You are interested in topics that other people oftentimes find very boring, but you still like it yourself. Is that right? Yeah. Lots of head nods. I I suffer from that a lot. I'm like, S- Camille, you even believe it? She's like, <laughs> but it's so cool. You feel like you can see situations clearly and provide clear answers. To you, it's very straightforward. To you, there's a simplicity. To you, why do we got to make it so complex? <laughs> you feel like you never stop learning. In fact, you probably have a fear, I'm going to forget all the good stuff I've learned. You uh, take the opportunity to share your perspective with other people. It excites you to share what you've learned. Did you know the Greek word says this and some other? No. That excites you. Excites me. This is obviously I, I fit in this category. And you feel oftentimes frustrated when people don't have the similar hunger, interest, or intrigue about similar topics to you. Why doesn't everybody know this? Why isn't everybody researching this? Right? Does that sound like you? No, without you, Listen, without you, lies are never challenged. People will believe a lie as long as it exists unchallenged. Without you, people's lives don't embody the scriptures. Without you, people don't understand why they should change. They don't understand, I think I should change, but they won't understand why. You give context you give authority and clarity about why things should be different. Without you, people are bored with the Bible and the scriptures. You actually make it come alive. It is your perspective and you shedding light onto things is what makes it interesting and drives hunger. Without you, people are not curious and hungry for the mysteries of God. It's my prayer for you guys that you would know the power and authority that is within your mind to be able to see things and to not mistaken that everybody knows this. You'll be shocked to know what you think is simple is profound revelation for other people. You need to be active and you need to be, um, you need to be assured of, of this is your own gifting because being a teacher sometimes feels like I'm overbearing. And so my prayer for you is that you'd know how to balance the wisdom and the revelation of God that has been uniquely tailored for you with how to not cram it down someone 's throat and speak it well and it 's amazing to have you guys here tonight. Thank you guys love you give them a hand so that is what the fivefold ministry is and on our website um, i 've uh, I've given links to the the test. I've also, each one of these things I've said, for the most part, I have a page for every single gifting. So if you're like, I want to go back and listen to, or read, or or find out what it means to be a soul healer, or whatever it is, um, you can go back and look. And also, let me say this, is that this is to get you in the ballpark. Your one and two may be interchangeable. I don't know, like, you know, a couple of people in here have taken it before, and they'll say, oh, my one and two, that's totally fine. And this is not... This is like pretty, I think, close, but again, it's not, um, it's not thus says the Lord either. So take that with a grain of salt, but to know that this is supposed to intrigue your mind, you'll be happy to know that our entire ministry is organized around these five. These five giftings, these five roles, we are organizing everything that we do around the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelistic, the pastoral, and the teaching. If you want to get involved in ministry, we have opportunities here for you around those giftings. But larger than that is I believe this is the single greatest blueprint we've ever been given for how to effectively impact people. And we impact people, we equip them. And when we equip impacted people, they go and impact other people. And the cycle continues. If you really want to know what it's, it's like to have a community that radically transforms the world, it's in union between these five giftings. It's in union with you guys being activated, knowing that you are called, just as much as I'm called to give a message, you are called to speak up, to be the voice that clarifies the heart of a God, to heal souls, to be able to speak the goodness of God, to be able to find opportunity in people and bring it into existence. That is just as important as any sermon or any place here. In fact, it's been elevated. You notice that teacher is the last gifting mentioned, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I don't know if, if that is a hierarchy structure. I actually believe it is. I actually think the apostolic is probably the most important gifting that we have. Probably in connection with the prophetic. Because it, it, it fundamentally turns your eyes and heart on to whatever I would even say. It makes no difference for me. Here's, here's just briefly. So I'm, I'm here and I have a word from God. Sweet. Awesome. That makes no difference. If you're broken, you have a heart that can't even hear it. It makes no difference if you actually believe that God is not good, if you believe that there's nothing good about God for you. that makes no difference if you have no idea who you are, what you're capable of, and if you can ever reach it. It makes no difference if you can't hear God's voice to apply it and walk it out. And so I need you to be activated in your ministry just as much as a minister needs someone to get up and, and talk, expound upon the scriptures. And so... um let me close with this, is that Brian last week um, said something really interesting. He's like, we have to stop praying for, like, God, would you come? God, would you move? And he's like, you move. It's like... We as a society, as a church body, as like the the body of Christ collectively, we need to stop saying, God, would you move? God, would you go take that city? And instead, we need to go take that city. Instead, we need to be the hands and feet. I don't know about you, but I haven't seen pillars of fire and clouds that come and drop manna for me. I just know (laughs) God like inspires me to be the manna. God accomplished his will by partnering with your will. We live in, in a time where, like, yes, the Old Testament, God intervened because they didn't have the Holy Spirit, but God now dwells within you. God is living today. I made the terrible mistake of debating this atheism video that went around on, on Facebook. And, like, it utterly like, hurt my feelings. <laughs> you know, the comments that people made, they were so hurtful, you know? But here's the thing is that I. Jesus, I I don't need to debate the existence of Jesus 2,000 years ago. He's alive in me right now. I'm the greatest example I know of of Jesus. You are the greatest example I see of Jesus now. Jesus is alive and he's alive in you. And so when we ask for God, would you do this? Jesus, would you do this? As we point to him, we need to look at the three fingers that are pointing back at us. And we know how our gifting is. Your gifting is... For this may be the only responsibility you have. You're not called to be a jack of all trades and do all things. The point is that you understand your unique gifting for how you play a role. And if all of us are doing that, we're going to radically transform the world. So that's all I got for you guys tonight. I love you.
1: That's all he's got for you tonight. He just handed you your destiny. Brian also, if if you missed last week's uh, sermon, I just encourage you to get that off the email. Because he also said, I'm not so interested in your miracles. I'm not so interested in your great prophetic words. I'm interested in love first. Because if we're more impressed by our giftings than we are by God's heart for the people around us. Because it's love, if you'll come to God as a child, as a son, and you'll just go, Daddy, show me how to be who you want me to be. Then it all goes really powerfully well. I had a a conversation with Abel Simonian last week, and he said some things that really drove what I'm actually going to talk about tomorrow night. He said so many people, we hear about the orphan spirit and about becoming a son or a daughter. But a lot of church people are just, they know all the verses. They know all the answers. They're just educated orphans. And that was probably the most profound thing. That has rocked me and stayed with me because that's not what I want to be. I don't want to have all the answers. I don't want to have all the verses. I want to truly walk as a son of God. And that is my choice. That's a choice I have to make. That's a choice you have to make. So I just encourage you, if the worship band will come up. Um, We would love to pray for you tonight, if we can. It's just as important that you make friends to us as that you get prayer. So um, we like it when people talk in the back. And we pray up front. So we'll have lights in the back. Because if you come here and you don't make any friends, what's that worth? I love it when sleeping people wake up like that. (laughs) So if if you guys will stand. And if our prayer team will come up. We're going to leave lights on in the back. Uh, We would love to talk with some of you. Uh, We'd love to talk with all of you. It was funny, uh, Shaddy sent me a text. If you noticed, I was taking pictures when you were standing. And then I went back and took a picture of this Kleenex up here so I could tell which ones were the the apostles, who were the prophets, who were the teachers, who were the evangelists. uh, Because we would love to help you find your place in, in the kingdom. What you practice here, you can do for the rest of your life. So... just going to pray for you at the front. If we can, we're going to talk with you in the back. So whichever you need, feel free to go for that tonight. We'll see you next week.